Thanks and enjoyed listening to what God's been doing in their life. It's, uh, I think it's great to hear a testimony, a real life story and uh, everybody who comes to Christ puts their faith in him as, has a testimony. All different but one common factor, they've put their trust in Jesus. Um, I'd like to read an account just of, of another baptism in the Bible and just uh, think briefly about that, won't uh, keep you too long now. Um, this is in Matthew chapter 3, and uh, this baptism is the reason, or part of the reason, why these three have been baptised, and everybody else has been baptised ever since in the, in the Christian church. So Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptised by him, and John tried to prevent him saying, I need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he, John, allowed him. Then Jesus, when he had been baptized, came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And all that those who have been baptized are doing is following Jesus. Jesus was baptized. It was his first time that he identified with those he was going to come to save. And this was right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And it was so, so significant because the baptism of Jesus, not in a, a pool like this, but in a river, in the River Jordan, that was the launch pad for the start of his public ministry and his teaching, his public teaching. And uh, Tony shared something of the... Uh, reasons for baptism and the explanation of baptism, this just gives us another insight into what baptism is all about. The, the first thing, I've got three points, the first thing is it teaches us that baptism speaks of a new life experienced. It speaks of a new life experienced. Up until baptism... Of the baptism of Jesus, Jesus had actually lived a pretty obscure life. There's lots in the Gospels, four Gospels, about his birth. There's a little bit about his childhood. But then from 12 years old to 30, there's silence. We don't know anything. We, we, all we know is that he was, he was a carpenter. And he would have followed in the footsteps of his father. And he lived in Nazareth. That's all we know. But then, he was baptised. And that was the start of his new life of ministry for everyone to see. Now, those who have been baptised today, they've publicly shown that they've started a new life already. Tony was explaining that. It, this doesn't make them a Christian. This doesn't change their life. What, what baptism does, it's, it's saying, showing to people, everybody publicly, actually I'm starting, I've started this life, I'm, I'm following Jesus, this is my new life. So it's sort of an, an outward expression of this inward work that God is doing. 
And it's saying, when that person has become a Christian, and for Epsi, that's some while back, a long few years back now, for Amy, more recent, for Roman, even more recent than that, it, it's saying that when they became Christians, they became new people inside. In fact, something amazing happened in their life the moment they put their trust in Jesus, that the Bible talks about it as a new creation. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, one of the books of the Bible, verse 17, says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that's become a believer in Jesus, he is a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So, baptism says, I've begun a new life. There's a new change in my heart, in my, in my whole being. Something's happened that God has started to work in me. And uh, baptism declares that. So when you become a Christian, it's not just that you turn a new leaf. Actually, the Spirit of God, God's Spirit comes into your life and he helps you to change from within. So you have new thoughts, you have new ideas, you have new desires. You, you have all different things that God begins to change you. And, and, and there are all sorts of things that happen in your life from within. That's why when you become a Christian, you actually feel as though you're seeing things in a new light. You're seeing things through new eyes. And it doesn't, that change, it's, it's the start when you become a Christian. That's the start of a change in process. It's God changing you, but it goes throughout the rest of your life. Sometimes there's a bit of a back time, and uh, Amy was sharing that. The times when we go away from God, or we don't allow God to have his way in our life. But that doesn't change our position in Christ. I think of it in terms of a house restoration project. Uh, I'm sure you've seen those programs where somebody uh, buys a house, it's in a state of disrepair, and uh, under new ownership, each room then is gradually changed. And uh, you know the program, at the end of the program, at the end of this whole gradual change, the, um, the actual people who own the house, they come and they see it for the first time and it's amazing, transformation. But it's happened in stages and that's what happens when you become a Christian. God changes you in, from within. So baptism speaks of a new life experience. It speaks of a new relationship enjoyed. And again, that's what the three have been talking about, isn't it? A new relationship with God. When Jesus came up out of that water, there was the voice from heaven. That was God's voice. And that voice said, this is my beloved son. This is the son I love and in whom I'm well pleased. That was the affirmation, if you like, that Jesus had this wonderful, amazing relationship with God, his father. And that's what baptism speaks about. A new relationship with God. Whenever someone is baptised, they are saying and showing that they have a relationship with God. You know, I don't know if you know that when, G, when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, he said, well, pray like this, our Father, our Father. So he was teaching them this relationship was like a father and a child. And this amazing God who created this whole universe wants a relationship with you and wants a relationship with me. It's amazing that when you become a Christian, that moment you put your trust in Jesus, 
you are brought into a relationship with God and you're brought into a new family. I think it's a bit similar to when uh, two people decide to get married. You know, not only do they find themselves in a, a new relationship, they find themselves in a new family. I know that some people were surprised, weren't they, when uh, Prince William um, got engaged to Kate Middleton. I mean, it wasn't that she was poor, she wasn't hard up, but she didn't belong to the royal family. But as soon as she got married, she became a member of the royal family, with all that, that entails. And uh, something even more amazing happens when someone becomes a Christian. In, in, instantaneously, they're brought into the family of God, the royal, real royal family of God. And they begin to relate to God as Father. That's God's desire for each one of you. In, in fact, I'd go farther to, further than that. I'd say it's God's plan for you. From the beginning, from when you first born, God's plan for you and for me was that we would be brought into a relationship with him. A loving relationship. That's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus was sent. That's why he came from heaven, the Son of God, into this world to make us right with God so that we could have a relationship with him. You know, we, we, we're not born in a relationship with God. That, that's the problem, isn't it? We're not born in, a, in, a, in an intimacy with God because of our sin and, and a sin comes into our lives and we're all sinful. The Bible says everyone has sinned. We, we all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. There's no one righteous, not one. So nobody has that by right, that relationship with God, because we're separated by our sin. It was uh, Mark Twain, the American author, once said that he spent a lot of money tracing his family tree and then twice as much trying to keep it secret. Um, <laughs> our family trees are not all that bright, are they? Because they're all made up of people who are separated from God. That's why we have problems. That's why there's problems in the world. I once heard that Charlie Chaplin entered a Charlie Chaplin look-alike competition in the United States and he came third. We, we, we might look all alike on the outside, but on the inside, actually, we are the same. We have a real problem with God. We're separated. We don't like to think of ourselves like that. I must admit, no one likes to be told something bad about them. Um, but the Bible does say that we are sinful if I, you know, if I, what we, what we do tend to do is that it, we tend to compare ourselves with other people who are worse than us. So it makes us feel better, um, you know, rotten sinners. There. But me, I'm, I'm, I'm not such a bad person. Um, that's a bit like intensive care patients arguing about who is the healthiest. We are all in desperate, dire need of a new relationship with God. Only Jesus can deal with that problem. A mother got on a phone, got a phone call rather, at work. She was at work, she got this phone call that her daughter was very poorly. She was at home, she needed some medicine. So the mother hurried to the chemist to get the medication. When she got back to her car, she found, to her horror, that she'd locked the keys in the car. She looked around on the ground, she found an old rusty coat hanger. She picked it up, but she thought to herself, I had no idea how to use this. So she bowed her head in prayer, asked God to send her help, 
And within five minutes, a beat-up old motorcycle pulled up, driven by a bearded man with heavy tattoos over his arms, wearing an old headscarf with a skull and crossbones on it. And he got off his bike and asked if she needed help. She said, yeah, my daughter's sick. I've locked my keys in the car and I must get home. Please, can you use this hanger to open the door? And he said, sure. So he walked over to the car and in less than a minute, the door was open. She hugged the man and through a tear, she said, thank you, God, for sending me such a very nice man. The man heard a prayer and replied, lady, I'm not a nice man. I've just got out of prison. I was in, car, I was in prison for car theft. The woman hugged the man again, sobbing, and said, Oh, thank you, God, you even sent me a professional. <laughs> there's only one person in the... Maybe that's not a good illustration, actually. There's, there's only one person in the world who can rescue us, who can save us. Only Jesus could take that punishment for me because he didn't deserve it. He lived that perfect life. That's why he came. He died in my place and your place on the cross. That's the gospel. That's what the Bible says. God's plan from the very beginning was that Jesus would die for your sin. So that you could be forgiven and you could know God in a wonderful, personal way. You know, sometimes we hear of individuals who deliberately put themselves in the path of danger to save those they love. And some are even willing to pay their life, give their life. Elsa Delplace was such a person. She was 35 years old when armed gunmen burst into the music concert she was attending in Paris. The gunmen opened fire and instinctively she threw herself on top of her five-year-old son, Louis. Wonderfully, he survived, but she didn't. Because of her sacrificial love, he was saved. But do you know that God's done something even more amazing than that? He sent his son to die for your sin and your sin and your sin and my sin. In fact, the sin of the whole world, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And because he's done that, and because he was raised from the dead the third day and overcame death, you can know him. And you can... Trust in him and he can become your saviour. And if you don't know that already, you can have that relationship with God even today. And that leads to the third and final thing, just briefly. Baptism speaks about a new authority embraced. A new authority embraced. What do I mean by that? Well, after, after the baptism, Jesus began exercising his authority. He, he commanded, he, he commanded the sick to be healed, he commanded the dead to be raised, he commanded evil spirits to depart, he even commanded the wind and the waves, and uh, he, he did all, he, he even had the authority to forgive sins. When someone gets baptised, they are saying they are under new authority, the authority of Christ. They're under the kingship of Jesus that our motto, Jesus Christ is Lord. It means Jesus Christ is King. And it's so important to get hold of this. Jesus didn't just come as a teacher or a counsellor to counsel. He came as King. 
that the angel at the time of his birth said this, Today in the town of David, a saviour who has been born to you, he is the Messiah. That's the promised Lord, the promised King. You see, a wise teacher and a wise counsellor, they can help people to understand, but they'll never command. They'll show us options, you know, what's best and what's right, and well, that's good and they can advise. But they don't have the authority over us to command us to do things. A king is different. A king is the one in charge. A king is the one who has the right to command. And Jesus is the promised king. Sometimes people say a nice prayer asking Jesus to be their saviour. But actually, what Jesus really desires and wants and waits for is a surrender of that person's life to him as king, to have authority over their life. And that's why people sometimes say they were Christians because they thought they made a decision, but actually they never surrendered their life to the authority of the one who created them, the Lord Jesus. You say, that sounds a bit harsh. No, it's not. He is a loving king. When you surrender to Christ, something amazing happens. A woman who was married to an overbearing, demanding husband who wanted everything to be done for him just right had to make a list in case she forgot. She had to bring him breakfast in bed. In bed. The egg had to be boiled just right. The clothes had to be ironed correctly, even the socks. The meal had to be on the table at the right time. The house needed dusting every day and so on. She wrote everything down in case she forgot. One day, I see some of you are smiling. I wonder if anyone knows or not. One day, her husband died. And she felt actually free. It felt as if a great load had been lifted off her shoulders. Sometime later, she married another man who was everything her previous husband wasn't. He was kind, considerate, loving, caring. Years on, as she was cleaning out an old drawer, she came across the list that she once made and followed so carefully, laboriously. And as she went down the list, she found that she was doing everything, and far more, for her new husband. But this time, because she loved him. And Jesus is the loving king. And that's why I talk about an authority embraced. It's it's amazing when God comes in, Christ comes in, he changes you. He actually puts into your heart a new desire to love him, to please him, to honour him. Because he is the Lord. He is the King. Can I just finish by saying this? God is incredibly generous. Generosity is lovely, isn't it? Isn't it beautiful? You know, when grandma and granddad comes with a full bag of sweets and... Uh, and, and see the kids' eyes light up, or things like that. Someone gives you an unexpected present. They pay for you, for you to have a, a, a beautiful meal at a very expensive restaurant. It, it, God is incredibly generous like that. You can see his generosity in the universe around and all the good things we enjoy, but it doesn't stop there. God's amazing, extravagant generosity means that you are offered a relationship with him. Forgiveness of all your sin. 
cleansing and a new life. Live for him, serving him, honoring him, worshiping him. Maybe you're not a Christian this morning and uh, maybe this may be the first time you've heard something like this. I would say that this, that Jesus is speaking to you. God's speaking to you. If you're not a Christian. And this is what Jesus says, come and follow me. Come and follow me. Put your trust in me as your saviour. Put yourself under my authority. Surrender your life to me. Turn from that which you know is wrong with God's help. And let me be your saviour and king. Maybe you wonder if you know enough to do that. You don't have to know everything to accept Christ as your Lord, thankfully. I suppose it's a bit like getting married. Two people who get married, they don't know everything about each other, but they make their promises. Uh, they know enough to commit themselves. We've heard that word this morning. It's about commitment to Christ. And if that's something you want to do this morning, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. And just to ask, ask Christ to become your saviour and your king, your Lord. And I'm going to do that in a prayer. And uh, if in some way you felt, yeah, this is, I, I feel that this is for me. Maybe you've uh, um, been to church many years in, in, and, and you've never really entered into that real relationship because you've trusted in your church, going to church or reading the Bible, or praying, or doing your duty, in Christian duty, that doesn't make you a Christian. You have to surrender your life to Christ. And live for him. Let him become your saviour. I want to pray a prayer, and if you want to pray this prayer, quietly to yourself, because you want to ask Jesus into your life, then please do that. Let's, I'm going to read the prayer out, and then you know what you're going to pray. And then it's uh, familiar. And then I'm going to pray it for real. And uh, if you want to Christ to be Lord of your life, a relationship with God, pray this prayer quietly and God hears. This is the prayer. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and I am sorry. And I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and that you raised him to life. I turn from my sins and repent and I invite Jesus to come into my heart to take charge of my life from this day forward and I pray this in Jesus' name. That's the prayer. I'm just going to give a few minutes, a moment, just to think about that and then I'm going to pray that prayer and uh, I invite you to pray that if you want Jesus to be your saviour. And Lord, it's not a magic prayer. It doesn't automatically happen. But it might express how you feel. And God will hear. Let's just be quiet for a moment. For those who pray this prayer, after the service, I, I want to invite you to, and ask you to have a word with me. Just say, I pray that prayer. And I'd like to give you a booklet which will help you to understand more. It's called Two Ways to Live either with Jesus as king or without him. And uh, it will be a help and a strength to you. So if you pray this prayer, I'd like to invite you to
come to me afterwards and ask for that booklet and just say I pray that prayer so this is the prayer just quietly to God if this really is what you want to say dear God I know that I'm a sinner and I am sorry and I ask for your forgiveness I believe that Jesus Christ is your son I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and that you raised him to life I turn from my sins and repent and I would like to invite Jesus to come into my heart to take charge of my life from this day forward and I pray this in Jesus name Amen if the band would like to come forward um, thank you for listening and for being with us today please if you have prayed that prayer or if you'd like to know more about what I've been talking about, either have a word with me, or Pastor Tony, or maybe a friend you brought, who you come with, or if you'd like that booklet as well, um, that would help you understand a bit more, please have a word with me, and uh, I'd love to give it to you. We're going to sing, and this is uh, the song Cornerstone, and it's uh, again about Jesus being our foundation.